بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أمن جعل الأرض قرارا وجعل خلالها أنهارا وجعل لها رواسي وجعل بين البحرين حاجزا أإله مع الله بل أكثرهم لا يعلمون so what we've had is I just spoke to somebody who was I know somebody who lives in one of the areas where the earthquake took place the good thing was that they lived in a house they said that at four o'clock they had to wake up they were they had to wake up they were woken up by the trembling and they were trying to make it as fast as they could outside out of the house but they could hardly get out of the house because the ground was shaking so violently under their feet that they found it difficult. They literally ran out. And what she said is that this felt like the Day of Judgment because, you know, on the Day of Judgment it says that people will be naked. And she said that women had to run out without hijab. People who wear niqab even had to run out. She says, I was lucky I had a garden to go into. But others who were in apartment buildings and others they said, but I said, nobody was looking at anybody else. Everybody's, it's not one of those things where something bad happens, but it didn't happen to you, so it's okay. It happens to everybody. So everybody's filled with tremor. It's a, a feeling of just being overwhelmed, overpowered. So there's nobody who's confident at that time because it's not something that anybody can have experience with and think that they've got control over. You know, when it comes to a car accident, the people involved in that car accident are going to be in that state of fear. But the surrounding people, they won't be. Because they didn't have the accident. But this is something that affects everybody. So nobody feels confident at that time. Nobody feels confident. That's what this does. This is an overarching effect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. And from this, we understand that when the ground is settled, as it usually is, alhamdulillah, that that's a blessing of Allah and Allah actually tells us about this in Surah Al-Ghafir verse 64 where he says Allahul ladhi ja'ala lakum al-arda qarara Allah is the one who made this earth a dwelling place for you where you can stabilize yourself and live with some kind of predictability that is not a constant movement I remember I, I forget which place it was it was Universal when I was living in California Universal Studios or um, I can't remember which theme park it was, right? And there was a, a ride in there called the Earthquake Ride. And I was in like two minds. Should I go there just so that you can feel how it is to understand how the punishment, uh, how it could be a punishment, how uh, the Day of Judgment as an as a Ibra for that? Or, but obviously people went in there for... For enjoyment, it's not a place for enjoyment. If you, I mean, maybe you could say that it's halal to go in there just so that, Allahu Akbar, you get a taste of how it's going to be on the day. Because inna zalzalat al-saati shayun, azim. That's going to be the tough one. So literally, this is what this person said. She said that Alhamdulillah we survived, but a whole friend of friend's family, they were crushed to death. They're gone. It was about twenty miles away. They're gone. They're finished. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again in Surah Al-Naml, أَمَّنْ جَعَلَ الْأَرْضَ قَرَارًا Who is the one who has made this earth and ground for you to be stable as a dwelling place? And then he 
put in there anhar and rivers and everything of for your needs and has put mountains in there to peg the earth to the ground properly stability of the earth is a blessing of Allah let us not take it for granted there's sh- smaller earthquakes sometimes what I mean by that is have you seen where there's been a number of discos dance halls and the floor just caves in I definitely wouldn't want to be in there to be honest I'd rather be in an earthquake than a dance floor that caves in that's just the wrong place to be Allah protect us Amen. those are many subterranean collapses there's a sign of the day of judgment is that there will be subterranean collapses the ground will open up in multiple places so then what we have to understand is the tremors of the ground that these people experienced they're supposed to be tremors for the heart to give us an understanding of what this is all about we have to make some sense of this they happen for a reason we better make some sense we can't be confused about this. It didn't happen to us. And I've been thinking for a while that Alhamdulillah, 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 in the UK, we don't get a lot of these extreme circumstances. We don't have hurricanes here. We don't have these violent storms too often. We don't have tsunamis. Uh, we don't have earthquakes. I'm not asking for one. We're an island, a big island. But we're an island. I don't know what barakah there is here. Hopefully there is. And we don't get it. Even in America, every year there's a storm that's hit Alabama. That's just whipped through, right? Florida and other places. We don't get anything. Earthquake, California. I used to live there. I felt an earthquake there twice. But we don't get anything here. Alhamdulillah. Do shukr, do shukr, do shukr. Thank you, Allah, for giving us afia. Amen. So we have to make some sense of what's going on here because we're all affected by this in some level or the other. It's a natural disaster. So, La ilaha illallah, so many people have been killed. 20,000 people is not a small number and more. So many have been wounded, who've not been killed, they've been wounded. So many have been rendered homeless without anything. So, so many people have been left without loved ones. So many orphans, so many widows. So many people lost their children. Can you see any good in any of them? What's so good about that? What's the wisdom in that? That's just pure destruction. This is how some people are going to look at it. It's just pure destruction. So what's the good in there? Usually you can't see good in a destruction, can you? And that's what we want to try to look at because every action of Allah is sophisticated and elaborate and very subtle things happen in there. So, anybody who can't see anything and can't make sense of this, can't be a believer because his believers are taught to do this. Believers have a manual of this world, of every event. Is this the first time an earthquake has taken place? No. There's been earthquakes throughout history. And they will continue to be earthquakes. You can't escape them. You might be able to escape wars. Because those are man-made. You may be able to escape tyranny. You may be able to stop tyranny. You may be able to stop violence committed by people. You may be able to stop genocides. But you can't stop an earthquake. You can't stop storms. These are natural things. So the best policy is that we're going to have to embrace them. We're going to have to understand them. We're going to have to understand what to do with them. It's not something you can stop. And they're a reality. 
if they're a reality, then we better get our perspective right. Our perspective right. So I think the first thing we have to start off with is a verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقَصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ That's what Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah. We're surely going to test you. Surely, surely going to test you. It's an emphatic statement he's making there. Not we're going to test you. Literally Allah is saying, we're surely going to test you. By using وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ Rather than just وَنَبْلُوَكُمْ We're surely going to test you. How are we going to test you? With a bit of fear every now and then. Every now and then there's going to be a bit of fear. Then there's going to be a bit of hunger that you're going to have to suffer once in a while. We're also going to test you with a bit of deficiency and a shortage of wealth sometimes. You might lose your job and struggle. Or you may not just find a job. And of course a decrease of lives. You're going to lose loved ones. And then of course other things like thamarat, fruits for the farmers and crops for the farmers or profits. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so in there is very clear we're going to test you. Don't be deceived. Don't think that you can live a life without any difficulty. Not even the prophets not even the prophets have that kind of life. They were tested. They went through many, many struggles. The Prophet for the last 10 to 15 days was sick. For over a week, he was sick with huge fever. And his daughter Fatima is like, what kind of a fever is this? Oh, what a pain of my father. What pain of my father. And he says, Subhanallah, the Prophet said, La karba ala abika There's going to be no pain after this day for your father. Why? Why do we have pain in this world? Anybody who makes this world his final and only abode, they're going to struggle. Because they want to make this place the best that they can be for enjoyment. But this has been, place has never been a permanent place or the only place or the main place for believers. Our main place is Jannah. And in Jannah there's no problems. In Jannah is just full enjoyment. Never, a, never even a blip. No nothing. But in this world there's going to be suffering. So a lot of suffering has to do with psychology. That's very simple. A lot of suffering, how to deal with suffering is to change your mindset. Is to change your mind. In fact, Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari, rahimahullah, says in one of his wisdoms, he said, Allah sends you difficulties and harms at the hands of your loved ones and through the world. Why? So that you don't become too comfortable with them. And you keep your focus on Allah because He's the only one who can give you what you really want. He doesn't want us to feel comfortable in any situation in this world except with Him. That's Allah. That's what He wants. This is His place. So for a believer... <clears throat> They will see what Allah's plan is. The Prophet said, "Ajaban li amri al-mu'min, fa inna amrahu kullahu khayr, lahu khayr." Hadith of Sahih Muslim. Uh, what an astonishing state it is for a believer, because every matter of his, whatever happens to him, is all going to be good. Meaning, all works out to be profitable for you. You've just been in a calamity, well, you came out of it with some profit. How do you do that? You had a good time. You just enjoyed a wonderful meal. 
MashaAllah, you did nafs, you had a good meal, but you came out of it good. How do you do that? With some profit, with some reward. How do you do that? So the Prophet ﷺ explained, he said that when a difficulty reaches him, a calamity reaches him, and he's patient, that's good for him. You've come out with profit because patience gives you huge reward. And, you know, there's people, the good business people, they say are those who make profit both in high and lows. They know exactly what to do. Well, this is the economy of Allah for the hereafter. And if you've just enjoyed your meal, you've just enjoyed something, whatever it is, but you remembered Allah then said, thank you Allah for this. All shukr is to Allah. You're going to be rewarded for that meal as well. You've just enjoyed a halal meal, right? You're going to be rewarded for that. That's the philosophy of Islam, of reward in any situation. And he said, Prophet said in this, this is not for anybody but a believer. This is for nobody but a believer. Simple example. My mother died of cancer, rahimahullah. After 10 years of cancer, she passed away. I take solace and comfort in the fact that she's a shaheed. She's a martyr because she died of these stomach illnesses, right? Which is one of the things mentioned as a martyr. I take great comfort and solace with that. Makes it easy for me, doesn't it? An atheist whose mother passed away after 10 years of suffering, what's he going to think of that? Miserable. What a bad life. What'd you get at the end of it? Nothing. You die and there's nothing. What's the point of that? They might turn around to me and say, you just thinking that to make yourself feel good. Genuine question. You're just thinking that it just makes you feel good. So my response to that is, is there a problem with that? Can I feel good? Can I have a philosophy that feels good? Because neither you nor me know what's going to happen in the hereafter. But at least I think it's going to happen. It makes me have a better life in this world. It doesn't make me miserable. It makes me be able to deal with the difficulties that come around. Aren't I better off? Because as I said, most of calamity is psychology. If you know something's going to come up, like you know that this car has certain problems at this many mileage and then it happens like, okay, I knew that was coming. And there's another car, they promised you so much. And then after that, you have a problem in there, you're going to be really angry. If you expect something, it just makes life easier. That's already more than half. Because a lot of psychologists, there's two brothers or two sisters, born in the same house, same food, everything. One just deals with calamities better than the other. Same calamities, same issues, same setbacks. So we're going to have to learn that this is Allah's plan with these things. Why is it Allah's plan? Because we know Allah that He's in charge of it and He's not made this world the abode, the final abode. It's just a temporary place. There's going to be difficulties in, you know, on stations, in flights. It's not like even first class, you're going to have an issue. People go on first class hajj, five star hotel right in front of the haram. It's only five star as long as you're in the Dar al-Tawheed intercontinental. As soon as you get out, you're part of everybody else. Trying to get to the Kaaba. You're part of everybody else. Not a leaf in this world drops that Allah doesn't know about. That's mind-boggling. Think about that. How many leaves drop in autumn? Off one tree. And multiple trees on a street, in an area, in a country, around the world. He knows simultaneously every leaf that's dropping. Simultaneously at one time he knows every tree, every leaf that's dropping and what purpose 
that leaf is dropping for and what's going to happen and he knows it all. مَا تَسْكُتُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا Every single insect that's crawling in your garden, you don't even know. But Allah knows it all. He can hear it. He can see it at one time. It's mind-boggling. Don't even try to understand it. There's no logic that will explain that to you because that's just such a multifaceted being. So he knows exactly what he is doing. And the other thing we know through physics is that everything in this world is interconnected. Everything has an action and a reaction. Let me give you an example. You buy a car for yourself, right? A shiny new car. You buy it for yourself. You don't care about anybody else. You bought the car, put it outside your house. And you're like, I don't care, you know, I don't want any, I don't want to show it to anybody or whatever. Can you stop your car having an effect on someone else? No. One is you bought it to show off, that's one thing. Another, you bought it for yourself. You can't stop that car from affecting people in multiple ways. Somebody's going to see it and get jealous of you. You can't hide a car. What's the point of hiding a car? You know, you're going to drive it somewhere, you're going to see you in it. So one guy is going to get jealous. Another guy is going to say, MashaAllah, I'm so happy for you. These are just things they're going to think about, right? Various, oh, I want one of those. Oh, I don't want one of those. Or they're going to critique it. Multiple things that anything you do has multiple reactions, right? The world is a quantum place where everything is interconnected. So, when it comes to matters like this, what do we have to do as believers then? Well, number one, we need to understand that it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we can't understand the wisdom, because the wisdoms are multiple, and I'll, I'll try to explain some of that to you, we have to consign the matter to Allah. Okay, Allah, I leave it to you. I don't get it. I know why Hitler did what he did. But I don't know why the earthquake came. I can give you possible reasons. Right? I can tell you why violent people do what they do. Because that we can understand because we're human beings and we can understand one another. But we can't understand why Allah does that. But we can have some ideas. <clears throat> I just want to clarify something in between. There is a scientific explanation for, for calamities like... Uh, all of these calamities like earthquakes and tsunamis. There's a science behind it, right? It tells you that the plates, they're grinding against one another and so on and so forth. Does that make a difference? Does that make a difference to anybody? That okay, a scientist is going to feel good that okay, you know, they understand uh, the mechanics behind it, the dynamics behind it. So, okay, you know, I get it. No. Why did it happen there on that day at that time? Four o'clock in the morning is when it happened, she told me. Then she was in class with us and she had to run out of the house again at 10 o'clock in, in the morning. A second, not a tremor, but a second full-fledged earthquake. Why did it happen at that time? Why didn't it happen two years ago? Why didn't it happen in five years? Why didn't it happen there? Who knows that? That's Allah's timetable. He knows all of that. Ibn Taymiyyah, 700 years ago, Rahimahullah, had a scientific example of gases uh, accumulating in the belly of the, you know, of the world and then they expand and uh, crack things apart. Wallahu alam. They had that. But that doesn't make a difference because it's Allah who's creating all of that to happen. Allowing it to happen at that time. Anyway, let's look at some of the wisdoms then. So what could be some of the wisdoms? We're just making an effort. Our best effort is what are some of the wisdoms of why these calamities occur like earthquakes and so on. The first one I think, I think we have to say is what Allah says, وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا It's just to remind us that you don't have that much knowledge. You have a lot. 
you know a lot, you're trying your best, but you don't have everything. There's so much that is undiscovered and there's just some realms which you're not going to get. So it's just to hum hum make us humble that you don't know everything. So don't think you know everything. Subhanallah, look at this. You know when COVID started, when the virus was around, did you hear what the world leaders were saying, the politicians? We're going to beat this. We're going to deal with this. We're going to fight this and we're going to beat it. Did you remember that rhetoric at the beginning? How long did that rhetoric continue for? After seven, eight, nine months, a year, that rhetoric was gone. It was like, well, this is overwhelming. This is a different beast here. Right? This is something a lot more serious. It's very humbling. Very, very humbling. So number one, he tells us how less knowledge we've got. Number two, it follows on from there what Allah says, وَخُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفًا that humans have been created weak, so it tells us that we're weak. It shows us our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities. Subhanallah. Our weakness and vulnerabilities. When Allah wants to do something, nothing. As I said, we might be able to protect ourselves from others, but not from Allah's natural causes. Number three, it's a test for the believer. This is a test for everybody. I'll expound on that a bit more. It's a test. To see how you're going to react. I'll explain reactions later, right? I'm going to leave that for a while. Number four. This is a wake-up call for the heedless. I guarantee you there's people there who've realized what the value of life is and what they should do. People who are procrastinating have seen others crushed who never got a chance. It was in the middle of the night. They never got a chance to do tawbah. Or repentance and these people are going to start doing that they've started doing that already right so this is a wake-up call these calamities are supposed to be wake-up calls how many wake-up calls do we need how many wake-up calls do we need Allah says in Surah Al-Isra all of this is you know we learn all of this from the Quran for every one of these the Quran tells us something Surah Al-Isra verse 59 Allah says you know these signs, these are signs from Allah. Allah putting His mark, that oh, His mark is everywhere, but if you're oblivious, He'll say, I'll show you this mark. We only send this except to create fear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, Ya people, O people, fear your Lord. Have consciousness of your Lord because the tremors and the earthquakes and the shaking of the final day is going to be a, a mighty, a very mighty action, event, an enormous event. And then Allah explains, There were many women who gave birth during this time. Allah says that day is going to be so traumatic that pregnant women will have miscarriages. They'll drop their children. People will become old due to the fear. There are three types of reactions to this. Three types of, broadly speaking, there's, uh, if we can categorize it in one way, there's those people who... Uh, forget Allah, they don't remember Allah when they have prosperity, but they only remember Allah when they have difficulty. So one of the reasons for difficulty is to bring you to Allah. 
And uh, you know, when things are going too well, I get worried. Like literally, when you understand Allah's will, like when things are happening too well, I remember contacting my, one of my sheikhs, my teachers, a few months ago when something really good happened. I was like, I'm just fearful that this is a test from Allah. Clearly everything's a test. But he came and said, no, 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 no. This is a gift from Allah. Accept it as a gift. Be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when things go too well for a long time, I do get worried. And I think you should be because why, why should you get worried? We don't want to dismiss the gifts of Allah. No, that's wrong as well. You can't dismiss the gift. You have to be thankful. But what, you, what, what happens is this. The philosophy is this, or the, the idea is this, that there's a concept of istidraj, where Allah allows people to enjoy, and they, get, they become worse off. They get so... You see, because when you have too much goodness, you get a false sense of security, and assurance, and comfort. So there's nothing to keep us on our feet. So what happens is that you just start feeling like you're all cool and fine, and you forget about Allah, and you... Start allowing yourself to become a prey to the mischief of your resources and money. You become overconfident. So we, we have to be worried about that. They say that if you're having too many blessings and you're not getting closer to Allah, but you're getting further away, that's a problem. Allah protect us from that. Uh, we ask Allah for afiyah. We ask Allah for ease. right? And we ask Allah for piety. Right, we don't we don't want comfort and we're getting further from Allah because that's not beneficial at all. So Allah sends this, and the reaction of the people is that okay, well, Allah wants these people to remember Him, so that hopefully they can remember Him and their prosperity as well. Because you eventually develop a certain idea towards Allah when you can start thinking Him more. Number two uh, are those groups who remember. Actually, the, the, this should have been the first group are those people who remember Allah both in good and bad times. So they're going to remember Allah even in this time as well. And they're going to, they remember Allah in other times. So that's just another group. And then the third group are those people even in calamities they don't remember. What kind of people are those? They're people with messed up ideology. Totally off track. Allah does not figure in their idea. In, their, in any of their philosophy. And that's the worst of it because good or bad, you're still denying God. Allah speaks about this in the Quran, doesn't he? Well, let me uh, mention the verses, multiple verses in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those who forget Allah, but when they're in the middle of an ocean or a calamity overcomes them and they feel submerged and overwhelmed, they start calling unto Allah, da'u, you know, they start calling unto Allah, and then when Allah gives them refuge, takes them back to the coast, back to safety, they forget Allah again. We got that, right? But then we also have this group, they don't remember Allah. Allah says, when our power and our calamity comes upon them, why could they not just humbly become entreating Allah? How could they not humbly entreat Allah and become humble? Their hearts have become hard. And shaitan has adorned for them and made what they do, their practices, their abilities, their influence, their positions. Allah, shaitan has made that adorned for them so they think of that as sufficient for them. But it's blinding them. Then Allah says in another verse, These are those people who, Allah says, when we save them, when we bring them back to security, we have mercy on them. 
and we remove and open up the difficulty that was on them, they go right back into their tyranny. They go right back into their tyranny. So now let's try to answer this question. There's a lot of people who, are, who will be saying and who have said that such things are punishments. Are these things punishments? Is an earthquake a punishment? Is a storm and is a tsunami a punishment? Again, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Yes, it could be a punishment, but it could be complete mercy. Like what? What are you talking about? It's mercy. How can all this carnage that has taken place, all of these lives have been lost, homes that have been totally destroyed, homeless people living in swimming pools and you know on the sides of roads and all that, and you're saying that there's mercy in there. Yeah, there is. There's definitely mercy in there. There's lots of stuff in there. How is it mercy? You know those people who died and they were good, they have just taken the shortest path to paradise. Shortest path to paradise. Because they died through hadam, in Arabic hadmun, which means by being literally crushed. That's one of the categories of martyrs. Martyrs are forgiven, subhanAllah. If they had belief in the right idea, mashallah, they are gone mukhtasaru tariqil jannah. It's one of the most shortest paths to paradise. And that's our real world, so who cares about this world then, right? That answers a lot of questions. That's how it's mercy for some people. But within that same place, there's going to be people who are evil. And they've not had the opportunity to be to, to tawbah and repentance because they were given enough. Haven't we given you enough life? Enough of your age in which anybody who wanted to take a reminder could have taken a reminder and the warner came to you and you still didn't get it? Those guys, their door is closed now. So that's a punishment for them. For other people, it's a life-changing wake-up call. Those people who survived, they've seen this, they've taken it to heart. This could happen again. It happened within six or eight hours again. It could happen again. And I want to go properly this time. If I'm going to go, I want to go, but I have to be ready because it might be me next. The people of <clears throat> that city, what's it called again? Gaziantep, which is the pistachio capital of the world. They make some of the best pistachio baklava. So it's a punishment for some people. Within that same locality, it's a source of mercy because we believe in the Akhirah to be the real life, right? They've gone from the miseries of this world. There were there people who didn't have a job, who were struggling. I've just, subhanAllah, my cousin's daughter is married to a guy from Gaziantep, Indian and Turkish. And he's just come to the UK and he said that it was so expensive. We used to, we, were, we are sharing two eggs between three people. When he came in England and he saw that two eggs, like, what, what are you doing? That's how much the poverty is there right now. Because of inflation and so on. Two eggs between, so expensive. People who are suffering like that, they've gone with a, a, a straight ticket, inshallah, to paradise. If they're martyrs, mashallah. For others, it's a life-changing wake-up call. So not everybody is subject to God's wrath. God's wrath is, a wrath is there, but not everybody is subjected to it. Allah is very, very elaborate. He's very elaborate. He can do multiple things at once in one thing that he does. There's multiple purposes that it serves. 
So now everybody, at the end of the day, those who died in there, everybody is going to be resurrected according to their intention. Because the intention of the believer is the most powerful thing. One of our great scholars, Ibn al-Jawzi, he writes that, I want to be the greatest scholar. I want to know the most about Quran and Sunnah. But I also want to be wealthy in the world and have lots of resources. And I also want to wake up for tahajjud and do lots of ibadah. I want to be the best of everything. I try to do this, I have shortcomings here. If I try to do this, that loses. And he says it's a struggle. But then the beautiful part that he ends this with, he says, we're going to keep trying. And when we die, at least Allah is going to raise us with the intention of what we had, of everything. Allah will raise us with the good of all of those. That's why intention is very, very important. We have to sort our intentions out. So everybody in that sunnah, everybody in that earthquake who have died will all be raised according to their intentions and according to the sum of their life. So what is our job in this case then? Uh, what is our job in this case? Uh, just before that, you know, in our case, if we have a little issue, anybody has a little issue or a big issue, how do you determine whether it's a punishment? How do you determine whether it's an elevation of your status that Allah wants you to be closer to Him or another purpose? How do you figure that out? Very simple test. Inshallah, this will be useful for us. It will help us. If you have a difficulty, like let's just say that your car broke down and you just can't get it fixed or it just broke down or there's a leak in your house and you can't find it. It's costing you money and effort and time or you've got a... Uh, uh, a wrong bill and you have to be on them for hours you know trying to correct it these are all calamities aren't they how do you react to that if you react and you start complaining did Allah only find me not so and so look that guy's okay it's only me and so on then know that this is a punishment for you that's the way to tell this is a punishment for you he wants you to be punished for this and put into pain okay rather than saying that you think I know why this has happened. You don't have to tell anybody, but I know why. You know what? Last week I was bad to so-and-so. I committed that sin. I uh, was a bit loose in X, Y, and Z. I said so-and-so. I did. I miss my fajr. I miss my prayers. I miss my Jumu'ah. I know why this is. Tawbah, astaghfirullah, istighfar, tawbah. Come back to Allah. That's mashallah. That calamity was for purification. Punishment, purification. Now, another option is calamity happened. Like, why is this happening? Because that's what they're, they're to create a thought process. So what is that thought? You know, I can't remember doing anything bad. Alhamdulillah, I've been very good for a while, inshallah. I can't remember. You know what? I'm just probably not doing enough. So Allah wants me to speed me up. Elevator for higher deeds. Because if you look, which obedience, which of the five obligations, let's just say, which of them have the highest reward? Fasting, Salat, um, Hajj, Zakat, which one has the highest reward? I would argue that it's fasting. Not to put down Salat, Salat has a huge reward. You know why fasting is higher? The Prophet Allah says, fasting is for me and I will directly reward you for it. What does that mean? Ulama write that, you know, for all the worships, the angels that we have, they have a certain score sheet. So for Salat, give him this much reward. If he has 
more taqwa and sincerity and difficulty in doing it, then you get bonuses. So there's a base reward for every worship, and then you get the bonuses. That's why they usually say like, if you do ishraq prayer after sunrise, it's like a umrah. Means the ishraq prayer with all of its bonuses is equivalent to the base reward of an umrah. But of course, if you go for umrah, you're going to get the base reward plus. Do you understand? That's calculation seat. When it comes to fasting, Allah says, angels don't have to deal with that. I'll reward that directly because fasting can only be for me. What do you mean fasting can only be for me? What does that mean? Because if you're really fasting for Allah, then you'll stay hungry. If I'm fasting to show people, I don't have to stay hungry. I can eat in secret and just show you I'm fasting. So if you're staying hungry, then it must be for Allah to some level. Right? So Allah rewards. And what is fasting? It's patience. It's abstinence. It's patience. So Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ You know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that we're surely going to test you, that first verse I read, Allah then tells us what to do. He says, give glad tidings to those who are sabirin, the patient ones, who when a calamity reaches them, they say, الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتُمْ مُسِيبَةً قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ we belong to Allah. Forget my car breaking down. Why am I so worried about my car? I should be. I need to get it fixed. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go back to Allah. Imagine if I went. I won't even have to worry about the car then. <clears throat> I am mortal. I'm going to die. I'm going to be finished. And I'm going to go back to Allah. That's why, you know, when we read this, when somebody dies, we don't read it as a dua for them. We do it for us. It's a reminder for us. Okay, they're gone, but I'm going to be gone as well. That's what I need to be worried about. And then Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ Upon these people are the blessings of Allah, those who be patient, and Allah's mercy. Allah's promised you blessings and mercy. And these are the guided ones because they know how to react to this. Philosophy, theology is very important. Okay? So now, what's our job? When we're survivors, alhamdulillah. We're survivors because that could have happened here. No, there's no guarantee that it won't happen in England. Inshallah, it won't. But as a survivor, anywhere in the world, wherever you are listening, what is our job as believers? I'm going to give us five things for us to do. Number one. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina. Make dua for those who have died. That may Allah forgive them. If they didn't go with the right amount, may Allah forgive them because inshallah, that's going to be helpful. May Allah forgive them. Number two. For those who have survived but who are troubled and who are injured and who have lost, then we make dua for their well-being, their stability, their recovery. Number three. We just don't make dua for them but we do everything else. Literally I had a thought the other day. Can I go to Turkey and help? Alright. I don't know what to do, but can I just go there? Will I be just causing a nuisance, be a nuisance? Do I need to know what to do? Right? Can I go and help? If not, let me send some money. Let me send something else. Let me encourage others. Whatever you can do. That's our job and that will help us, inshallah. And number four, num number four, forgiveness for ourselves. So that any calamity that comes to us, we're at least free of sin. Because that's what it's supposed to teach us. That they, many of them went without a moment of consideration. A moment that they could have prepared or paid off something. And number five.
abundant gratitude that Allah kept us safe and may he keep us safe abundant gratitude and number the, the number six oh Allah give us satisfaction with your decree whatever it is that is the most important anybody who learns satisfaction with the decree of Allah the ulama say that person is never going to grieve in this world or in this world or the hereafter because Allah did it Allah knows best you know what is the Arabic word for calamity? Musib bala. There's a bala, which is a test actually. Bala means test. Musiba. Do you know where the word musiba comes from? Asaba yusibu isabatan, which means to hit the mark. You know when you're doing bow, uh, 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 archery, bow and arrow, uh, archery or shooting practice. When somebody hits the mark, they say asabt. You got it right, meaning you hit the mark. Musiba is the thing which hits the mark. It wasn't intended for anybody else, it was intended for me. It was intended for whoever it was. So, Rada bil qada, satisfaction with the decree of Allah is the only way out of these places, which means to be satisfied with the decree of Allah. How do you get that? You have to know Allah more, that He never does anything randomly, He does it for a reason. So, if it's a difficulty, well, maybe He wants to wake us up. Maybe he wants to give us good. Maybe he wants to reward us. Maybe he wants to bring us close and he's going to give us patience. If you have patience to deal with a calamity, that's a good sign. It goes back to those people with reactions. If you don't have any patience and you freak out, that means you don't know sabr. You don't know how Allah works. So that's why you're figuring out. You have no trust in Allah. You have no knowledge of Allah. You can't rely on Allah. You don't know Allah's kindness. وَمَا هُوَ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ Allah says, He is not an oppressor, even the smallest amount to His servants. Your Lord will never oppress you. If He gets you for something, well, maybe it's Maybe it could be, as I said, the second reaction is that it's because of something you did. That's why you're having that calamity. Make tawbah and get back to Allah. It's a good job He's even reminding us because if He doesn't remind us and He lets us be bad, then we're just going to get worse. So satisfaction with the decree of Allah is a very high attainment. May Allah give us that. May Allah give us that. May Allah make it easy for us. We ask for the greatness. We ask that Allah allow us to understand His greatness. We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive and bless all of those people and accept them as martyrs who have died. Right? The Muslimin there, mashallah, you know, they're a believing area. Right? Uh, number two. That we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for stability and recovery and patience and perseverance for those who've left behind. May Allah allow us to ask for forgiveness and purify ourselves and allow us to be shakirin and uh, people of gratitude for what He has given us. And as I said, people in this country have to be very thankful to Allah. Why? Because we literally enjoy being of the top 5 to 10% of world prosperity. The way we live, Literally, I don't know if you've ever thought of that or you've just taken it for granted. Compared to so many, the bulk of the countries of the world, we enjoy lifestyle of the top 5 to 10%. That's huge. I'm not complaining about it. I just want to thank Allah for it. That's what I want to do because without thanks, we're going to, we're going to squander this and we're going to do this the wrong way. We want to be grateful to Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Amen. <clears throat> By the way, one thing you said that they were sleeping, so they're already sleeping. That just reminds me of one thing. Make sure we do our du'as before we go to sleep. You know, the whole purpose of reading some of these du'as is literally just to reaffirm our faith in Allah. 
Allah, uh, when we lie down, what do we say? What's the du'a when you lie down on your right hand side? Does anybody know the du'a? That's the basic du'a. Allah, bismika mudu'a. Oh Allah, in your name do I live and die, right? But what about when you say, Inni wajjahtu wajhi ilayk, wa fawwattu amri ilayk. This is Sahih al-Bukhari, you should learn this du'a. It's an amazing du'a. said that when you take your place uh, in your bed, be on your right side and read this du'a. Allahumma inni aslamtu nafsi ilayk. Oh Allah, I've just submitted my nafs to you. Wawajjahtu wajhi ilayk. And I've faced my, uh, and I've directed my face towards you. Wafawwattu amri ilayk. And I've also consigned my affairs to you. Raghbatan wa rahbatan ilayk. In all earnestness and desire for you and in awe of you. There is no escape or refuge from you except to you. I believe in the book you have revealed and and with the Prophet you've sent. That's it. You've died on faith. They say that if he doesn't wake up, great. You've, you've died with the kalima. So let us not. I was just in a country right now where they didn't have scholars for over a hundred years. It's amazing how they even kept their faith. They didn't have scholars there. They had the basic knowledge of, from the 1870s in Guyana. And the one old man I met, he's, and they kept themselves, they even married Hindus. They started marrying Muslim, Hindus, Indians stuck together, but they would keep their faith. You know what this old man told me? He said, my parents told me, read kalima la ilaha illallah before you go to sleep. That kept him, subhanAllah, believers. So we need to do this, man. Read the du'as before you go to sleep.